All right, we are live. Welcome to another edition of our weekly market update where we uh, look at the latest market data trends that are happening across the Bay Area. But also I'll be pointing out the different headline articles that I see that may or may not impact the local real estate market. Um, however, before we get started for the week, uh, this is a direct message for my audience. If you are a renter, a real estate investor, or know of anyone thinking about buying or selling a home in the Bay Area, reach out. I would love to be introduced and have a conversation about your options. You know, I do these reports every single week because I just look at the pure data. I look at the pure information out there. I'm on the ground every single day making offers every week. So I just tell it how it is, whether it's good or bad. So I do these reports so that you can see from yourself whether it's you hear different things from the public or you have a different image of what you think things may be. I do this because these are pure numbers and numbers do not lie. And so I hope this is helpful for my audience and I hope it's helpful for the people within your network too, to be able to get the in-depth information as to what is actually happening uh, in the real estate market, not just around the country, but especially here in the Bay Area. So without further ado, let's uh, get right to it. So I'm gonna start by sharing my screen. Okay, so another week, another record low uh, mortgage rate uh, level. So the average rate right now for a 30-year fix is at 3.13%. I even have clients that are putting 3.5% down for a home, and they're at three less than 3.7%. So the figures are, are fantastic for homeowners. Uh, you'll see momentarily what this means from a price perspective. But without a doubt, it's been tremendous for for buyers out there, hence why there's so many people out. And it seems like um, for the next foreseeable future, rates will likely continue to drop, which makes things extremely competitive. And for people to realize, should I keep paying for rent or should I end up buying a home instead with their monthly payments amount? So another week, another record low figure. Interesting enough, last Friday, the rates did tick up slightly and then they went back down uh, as you can see from a week to week perspective, another update. So for those that are really hoping for foreclosures to start again, uh, the department of housing had extended an, for another two months, any possible foreclosure actions. So initially it was planned for the end of, uh, this month, end of June. Um, but now it's going to be for, extended for another several months, uh, now to the end of August. So as mentioned on previous videos, for those that are seeing the numbers of unemployment figures and job losses and hoping that there'll be this massive foreclosure wave, and I went through this many times and, and I'll, I'll bring it up again, there's just so much support this time around, which is completely different than 2008. 2008 was never this proactive from a federal government level to ensure that things don't uh, fall the same way or even get close to being uh, going the same way as before. So um, for those that are hoping and waiting, you're gonna have to wait a little bit further uh, to see if there is gonna be any possible foreclosures. Of course, every market is gonna be different and it's important to understand the fundamental reasons why someone will get foreclosed on is if those property values are worth less than them just trying to sell it uh, on the market themselves. The, this, the, the huge difference this time around is there's significant equity in the majority of homes. I, a lot, one of my last videos I showcased only one in 10 homes that were in the forbearance program 
had less than 10% equity. So it was a, a tremendous uh, buffer this time around. And I think it was only 1% that was actually underwater. So the risk levels and of how what the banks have done over the years is has been very conservative. And as you can see, there's even more support from the government level of extending this, uh, this out further. Next thing, um, as interest rates could keep dropping, um, you can see purchase applications now have reached all time levels. We're not even talking about pre pandemic levels anymore. We're talking about record levels as in since the correction, uh, back in 2008 and 2009. So it's been incredible to see. There's just so much pent up demand. A lot of people that are no longer renting may realize they can, and they can just use that same amount of money and just buy instead. So we see that. And we also do see people potentially leaving more, uh, denser areas for, uh, a larger home in the outskirts. So we see a lot of motivations of why people are now using that fund, those funds to now buy instead. I actually will showcase momentarily of the top three reasons home buyers are buying today, which may surprise you. The second one will certainly surprise you. I, I didn't think of this, but it makes sense once you think about it. In terms of the market itself, from a real, real estate perspective, market has been intense. Um, as I make offers every week, I get to see it for myself and I share with my buyers just a level of expectation. Now, fortunately, prices are not too crazy for the most parts. I mean, I've had a few examples that they were a little too crazy. I'll give an example. We made an offer recently for a Castro Valley house. That offer ultimately had 14 offers in place. However, it was significantly underpriced. However, what it ultimately sold for was about in line on the higher end of the range of what I would have forecasted and I shared with clients. So it wasn't too crazy. There was another one out in San Bruno, which was pretty crazy. And it didn't make much sense of why they would do it. So it was kind of bizarre. Um, so this example was a nice home. It had a lot of uh, it had several unpermitted space. So there's a, a risk from that. It was on the market for several weeks. And they actually lowered the price. Uh, hoping to gain more activity and then maybe end up somewhere in the middle. But somebody ended up paying, um, let's see, they ended up paying about 10% over the adjusted list price. So it was that was crazy, and there was no reason to do that. They could have easily got it for a, a slightly above the adjusted list price, but they decided to go way over. So there's just some, in that example, some person went really crazy I feel bad for that individual, but I don't feel bad at the same time. Um, this is why the agent is so important where they didn't have to do that to win that particular property. They could have just paid $5,000 more instead of they end up paying, paying $80,000 more than they should have. So you know, that's the benefit of the realtor. That can also be the one that can uh, definitely uh, hurt you from that perspective financially. And so that's that was kind of some of the latest results of some of the offers that I made this week that I did not get accepted. But do know housing demand is extremely strong these days, as I mentioned, with all the different factors that were brought up from previous uh, videos, but also from my last video talking about just the amount of activity that's happening. So we are at, remember, this is 25% of pre-pandemic levels. We're not talking about pre-shelter level. We're talking about before things got bad. So it's really interesting to see 
And it's really uh, helpful for a lot of people to truly understand what is actually happening in terms of if they were on the fence or not. Now, this was a poll recently from several economists. So if you want to take their uh, opinion versus mine, you can see 91.2% of economists surveyed by the Wall Street Journal says the recovery is already underway or the recovery will start in Q3 of 2020. So you think things are getting intense right now. Uh, and if these economists are right, and that's how things will play out, then it's going to be a pretty intense uh, Q3. Things are just starting to get heat up, starting just to starting to, to heat up if you're looking from this statistics and from this survey. So it's pretty fascinating of what has happened. A majority feel like we'll actually have a V-shaped recovery instead of a very slow recovery. A lot of people are not factoring in this time, and they, they really are just missing this aspect of it. On one end, the unemployment figures are really bad, and but they're, they are getting better. You can look at the forbearance rates. They are high. At the same time, it's mostly people are using it as an insurance policy. However, people fail to understand just how much money has been pumped into the economy from the Fed level. They fail to understand the magnitude of what that means from, a, from an economy recovery and in terms of how much stimulus is in place. And so there is just so much uh, assistance back to my earliest point of the federal government just being so proactive this time around that people are not factoring in. So it's just something to be aware of. While some of the headline articles are bad at the same time, if Uncle Sam is helping by throwing all this money in, what does that mean for prices and what does that mean for the general state of an economy? Um, so that's where things get really interesting, but that's something for you to be aware of, of the economist surveying through wall street journal. Next item. So this is, so it's not, it's all good and bad depending on where you fall from this report. So San Francisco, as I mentioned, a lot of people have continued to move out of the city. Now it's not interesting enough. It's not from a home sale perspective. Cause I'll show you the data from how how is that impact today? It's actually more from the rental market. The rental market in San Francisco continues to get hit. So the last uh, the last video that I've done, you saw the the stat was ten percent, about nine percent decline year over year, and vacancy rates continue to increase out in San Francisco. So you can see the figures are at six point two percent in May these days, and, and which was up from three point nine percent only three months ago. So it went up about 2%, but this is a fairly high level, especially given to just the dynamics of, of San Francisco over, over the course of being such a popular spot. Now, I suspect as things start to open up again that this figure may improve, but it's only until that time because a lot of people, there's, no, there's not too many reasons for a lot of people to want to live in the city today. However, if you're a renter, and you know, for whatever reason, you feel like you want to you want to put in the money for rent instead of owning a property, then it's a great op it's a better opportunity for yourself. So be more hard on negotiations. You know, share this information with anyone that you're negotiating with. It certainly helps from that perspective. If you're a landlord, you know, take it. You know, you should consider. You know, if you can't get your place rented or it doesn't make sense anymore, you should consider selling the house because, as I'll show you once we look at the data itself. You'll see the prices have been very strong depending on the asset class that you have. So from that perspective, it's still good. But from a rental market perspective, there's certainly been uh, more of a hit. So just something to be aware of, depending on which side you lie on, 
um, you can either take benefit of this or uh, unfortunately there's some, there's more, I, I see some more downside that will be coming at least from a rental market in San Francisco. So here was an interesting piece that I saw. So I knew several of the reasons and I kept saying it over and over, like what are the reasons people are buying a house? So I did not realize from a poll that the majority of people are actually buying a home because of they're taking advantage of low mortgage rates. I didn't know is it going to be that high of amount. So, but it does make sense because once you're at lower rates, then you know your monthly expenses are going to be at a lower figure. So the balance of does it make sense to rent or does it make sense to own uh, starts getting affected. The other thing, the second, which was really high, which was people are able to save a lot more money now because they're not spending as much, which was interesting. So they're not spending as much as, as you know, before as either uh, buying food, like buying takeout as much, they're not eating out as much. So they're saving money there. They're also saving money of potentially school. So like a lot of kids, they may have private tuitions, maybe preschool or daycare. Uh, many of them have been stopped for some time. So they've been, that's been reduced as well. And then also clearly the lack of travel. So there's not much traveling happening. So there's a lot of money being saved. Um, and actually other things. So like even shopping wise, so even buying like clothes or jewelry or nice watches or bags like people are not buying nearly as much of that as well. So people are saving a lot more money over the last several months. So there's that aspect, like they're in a sense, not just a combination of being forced to save, but, but willing to save. And then the last is what I brought up several times, which is related to getting additional space, um, especially here in the Bay Area where, where a lot of other markets, they've always had a, a fairly large home, so it may not be an impact, but especially here in the Bay Area, given the, the types of houses we have here, I feel like in the Bay Area, that would be much more uh, skewed than the other aspects uh, of this chart. But it was interesting to see as well of the motivations and how and why people are able to buy a home now versus before. The last thing I wanted to end on before we look at the data perspective is just an understanding of how did we get into this situation of having such low inventory? So here's why there hasn't been enough houses. So if you look at the data itself, if you look at before, how do we get into the mess of 2008? We had an oversupply of houses at that time. So here you can see the data that there was 10.4 million houses uh, sold uh, in the previous decade. But in this decade of the last 10 years through 2019, only 5.2 million single family homes were, were sold in that, in that period. So the inventory got cut by a half. However, from a new household formation perspective, uh, there was 11.4 million households. So you can see from that data perspective, and this has several reasons. One, a lot of the builders got burned and really disappeared from the last time. So as they are building today, they're a lot more conservative. So there's that one aspect. Number two, um, the builder cost is significantly higher now than before. The problem and the challenge of how we've gone to, gotten into a lot more white-collar jobs is that we have a lot less people able to do the work itself. And so with that, we have a limited supply, whether it's people decided to exit that profession altogether uh, during the, the, the correction because there was no work for them, or also just fundamentally of how much we push college every single, you know, it's just everybody wants to go to a good college and work in a white collar type of profession. 
And so there's a those combination of aspects that creates this very um, creates a very uh, tiny, a very small amount of available property for people to move on, uh, move to. So that that makes it very difficult, and that is a big reason of how prices have continued to increase. Now, you know, these are systemic changes. So unless there's a lot more construction workers or people that want to get into that industry, I suspect this will likely stay, you know, somewhat at this level and and be a systemic problem moving forward, even moving forward to the next decade. So something that I've seen related to why there's not enough houses right now. Okay, let's go take a look at the market data. So every week I pull and extract information from our MLS system, which is where the backend database is for all existing properties. So that way you can see for yourself what is happening on a week by week basis. I always update this. So it goes from the previous Friday up until Thursday. So that way we can see uh, week over week what has been going on. So a couple of things that I'll notice, we'll start by San Mateo County first. The new listings has certainly continued. Um, unfortunately, this is not continued to increase. We've dropped again um, from previous weeks. So we had a big increase in early June, given that was um, a lot of things started to open up. And however, over the several weeks, things seem to have plateaued. So we're not seeing a big rush of new inventory that people may have hoped for. I suspect we're going to be at roughly these levels. Um, I don't think we're going to go much more about this at this time. It should be at this. It should be pretty consistent. The interesting part, though, is list prices are starting to decrease a lot more than before. So it'd be interesting to see how this ultimately plays out from what houses are selling for, because there's on one end you have this information that list pr prices are starting to decrease. The question is, were they too aggressive to begin with? Um, are people just being more picky? Are things just being People have more urgency to sell. We will see over the weeks. What you will see, though, is the number of contingent and the number of pending properties uh, have hit uh, a, a fairly high level, at least uh, post-shelter uh, figures. So we're at higher levels. At, we're at 165. So you can see the number of new listings are not keeping up with the amount that are going contingent and pending. So you have somewhat of a balance between what prices may likely sell for and how prices are from a, a list price perspective. So if you can see actually through this chart, you can see as of right now through the 18th, uh, at least as of yesterday of June, we're at slightly about the same levels of what it was in May, which was a record record uh, period. So we're at a little, we're about $2 million from an average price point perspective. And this is an average price point of single family, condo, and townhome. It's not just single family. Single family average will be closer to about 2.3 million in San Mateo County these days. So it gives you an idea of what's going on in San Mateo County. Very little inventory. Contingent pending is going faster than, than listings, but we are seeing some prices being decreased. So something to keep an eye out for as we come into the weeks. Now, what does Santa Clara County look like? Santa Clara County, the new listings figures are at 352. That is higher than last week, which is good, but it's not at records of post-shelter. The records was back in early uh, June at 3.53. So we're at a pretty good level. Same thing as the other, uh, as San Mateo County. The list price has, uh, you know, over the last few weeks, the list price had been decreasing. However, this is a change from the previous week. The previous week, we had a all-time high at 148. But now we have, uh, we dropped it to now 123 of how many 
homes have decreased their price. So it's actually slowed down. However, if you see from the contingent pending perspective, we're at 407 now. So we're having more back to San Mateo County. We have more being contingent pending that there are new listings, which puts a lot of pressure. From a price perspective through yesterday, we're at uh, slightly lower levels than May. So May was also a record period for Santa Clara County. May was at about 1.48 million uh, as uh, an average between single family condos and townhomes. And June is slightly below that, but we're still at the second highest month uh, of the last 12 months. So something to be aware of, it's still very competitive out there as you can see just how many are going pending, but there may be some opportunities depending on the property. Now the challenge with both of these aspects of San Mateo County and Santa Clara County is they are very large counties. So you don't wanna use these assumptions for every specific city. So for example, the landscape in Morgan Hill versus Sunnyvale will be very different. Um, same with Daly City versus Palo Alto uh, or San Mateo would be very different. So you do also, also want to understand what's happening at the local from a city perspective, but at the same time, this at least gives you some framework from a county level. The last thing that I would include is the what is happening from a San Francisco market perspective. So every week I'm going to be adding and including what are the changes and how is it playing out from a sold perspective. And so this is the information extracted for June. You'll see what's interesting is that the single family prices have actually skyrocketed. So we're at close to $1.89 million for a single family house in, in San Francisco. So the demand and the price point, just phenomenal. You can see that from the chart here. Now, from a condo level, last week was actually very strong when we looked at it from June 1st through June uh, 12th. But now we, it seems like it actually has balanced out. So we're at levels that were better than May, but it's still lower than the previous months before. We're at about 1.175, even though there's been 83 that have sold. So the speed, as, it, as you can see from single family, has slowed down. We're about 88, and we're a little... Uh, past the halfway point of the month. And then the condos, we're actually at a very good pace, better at least than the previous uh, two months, but far slower than what it was uh, pre-shelter levels. So definitely a lot more uh, weakness from a condo perspective, but price perspective, they're not seeming to budge too much. They're just, they're just lasting longer uh, on the market. So I hope this was helpful. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me anytime. I'm happy to have a conversation. There's never an obligation when it comes to these uh, discussions and these sessions. And uh, tune in for my next video. On Tuesday, I'll be releasing the vi a video about uh, looking actually at the at a calculation. I've, I've done a spreadsheet calculator for people to understand what they are missing, even if they either live at home and they're saving money that way, or even if they're in a rent-controlled apartment how people have, one, missed a boat in the past, but how you may still be missing the boat moving forward. So I actually have a spreadsheet calculator that I'm going to go through with my audience so that you can actually see it for yourself to see how things play out because people don't factor in the long-term appreciation of assets. And so they think that just because they're paying X amount of rent, it's the quote-unquote safer thing to do. And we'll go over that. So tune in for that video. I think you'll find that very helpful. Um, but if there's any questions, let me know. Happy to be a resource. Other than that, we'll tune, it, tune out for now. Have a great weekend. Bye now.
Hey, podcast world. Thank you so much for your support. I do post at least three shows a week. If you like the content, please leave a five-star review, smash that subscribe button, and share it with your friends. Looking forward to have you back at the next one. Bye now.